did have one announcement, praise report and prayer request given to me before I come up here. Uh, Paige and Hunter, uh, they did have a baby boy this week, Dawson Michael Nepp. So uh, everybody's doing well. So if you guys uh, want to keep lifting them up in your prayers, uh, that'd be greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, just a good celebration that our church body keeps growing. So it's awesome to, awesome to see that. Ooh. I do want to thank Kevin and Eric once again for allowing me to preach this sermon today. They're very gracious to allow me to do that. Uh, this was the very first passage that I did preach on as a young whippersnapper here at Providence. Uh, I was traveling with Bible memory that year, and our theme verse was Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Uh, theme was focus, and I was home that weekend. I think Sean had called and asked if I would be willing to speak I don't think he said preach, I think he said speak, so uh, I think that was probably accurate back then. So uh, I did come up and and, uh, preach my first sermon ever at Providence. Please do me a favor and do not go back and listen to that. I did this week. Oh my goodness, thank you guys for being so gracious with such a young guy like that. But uh, it is cool to see here now, what are we, almost 10 years in, Kevin? Yeah, almost 10 years in, and now I'm preaching uh, the same passage today out of Hebrews 12, one through three, actually today. So if you guys have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verses one to three. And as you guys are turning there, I have mentioned two books before that I have really leaned on when it comes to uh, our journey through Hebrews, and that is Michael J. Kruger's Hebrews for You. Uh, It's an excellent book that kind of goes through the book of Hebrews. I know that I probably should have told you guys this a while ago before we started in this, but still a great book. If you want to dig through the book of Hebrews, uh, it's called, like you said, Hebrews for You by Michael J. Kruger, and uh, I'm sure Nate will love this, but uh, Christ-centered exposition, these books are phenomenal. Uh, they, are, they go through scripture and through a Christ-centered lens. Uh, this one was written by Al Mohler, Pat Ash's favorite guy. So uh, if you guys uh, want to pick this book up, Christ-Centered Exposition on Hebrews, it's another good tool to help you with this. And they have all sorts of Christ-centered expositions on any book of the Bible. So you guys can do this uh, and go through the book of the Bible, and I'm sure it really does help as you go along through there. So just some supplemental things. I think I talked to Keith Meese one time. He says he likes to call those condiments on top of the actual meat, which is our scripture. So don't just use those as the sole thing that you read, but you can definitely use those to help you in your scripture reading. But back to Hebrews chapter 12, the meat of which we're going to be preaching out of today, Hebrews chapter 12, one through three. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, Let us lay every weight aside and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right-hand throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for the power that it has. Lord, we thank you for being living and active in our lives. Father God, how it pierces our hearts, allows us to see exactly 
what it is that you need us to hear. And Lord, we thank you for speaking to us through your word. And Father, this morning, I pray, God, that you would just allow your spirit to move through me this morning. Empty myself of myself and fill me with your spirit to deliver this message uh, so all of us may hear this morning. Let us all have open ears and open hearts to receive. Lord, we just ask all these things in your son's holy name. Amen. I always believe that one uh, great aspect of preaching is to know your people, know your audience, speak their language, understand their culture, understand the background, understand their interests, understand their circumstances. I think as a preacher, the more you know your audience, the better you can deliver the word of God. You can speak their language and make it more clear to them. Well, here we see that a pastor that knows his crowd and he tailors this message in a way that they can understand it in a much more simple way, the relatable way that they can understand it. And that's what we see here in these first three verses. We see that the writer of Hebrews is using a sports analogy. How many sports fans do we have out there? Sports fans? Yeah, right. Raise your hands. That's a joke. Yeah, tons of you out there, all right? I'm and me included, okay? But he begins to refer to this great race of life. We've now shifted from Hebrews 11, where we talked about all of these Hall of Famers, so we're still in this sports type of thing. We're shifting our focus from all of these Hall of Famers on the examples that they've set, and now we're shifting our focus to how do we run this race of life just as those before us did. And he mentions this by saying that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. A great cloud of witnesses. Men and women who have already finished running their race and did so successfully. That is pointing back, okay, remember the therefore. Anytime we see therefore in scripture, it means we are to look back at the previous passage. So therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are we talking about? We're talking about Abraham, Moses, Rahab, okay, Noah. We're talking about all of the men and women that we referred to in Hebrews chapter 11. Since we are surrounded by them, since we are in a stadium Okay, since we're in a gymnasium full of these entire people who have successfully completed the race, okay, this, this, it's important for us to understand that. We are competing and we are running, and just like any sort of sporting event, okay, I know I'm referring to it again, but if you happen to be at Jack Butcher Sports Arena last night, okay, phenomenal crowd, people everywhere. Imagine that great cloud of witnesses were there to witness the basketball game that was going on and take that same thing. Now we're competing in a race and we are surrounded by all the men and women who have ran this race before us and they're now watching us. They're watching us. They're there to encourage you, give you example. But as I mentioned in our Hebrews for You book by Michael Kruger, he points out in his commentary that they're not there to watch you. They're not there to just look at you and watch you run. They are there to be seen by you as you run. They're there to be seen by you as you run. Their presence encourages you about what is possible. There will be times when you think you cannot finish this race, you cannot push past the pain, 
But then you realize that the stadium, this cloud of witnesses, is filled with people who have finished the race and have went through hard times, and it can be done. I love that. These people there are not just there to cheer you on and watch, but they're there for you to look up. Whenever you're going through a difficult time, you can look up in the crowd and you can see Noah and you can remember all the things that he went through. You can see Abraham and think of all the things that they went through. The book, Michael Kruger, he goes on to talk about in there how it's just like he's a big North Carolina basketball fan. When you're, uh, I don't even know where they, North Carolina plays. I was going to say Chapel Hill, but I think that's... Duke, right? I could be wrong. I don't know. But they're in the stadium and you've got all the rafters of all the retired jerseys that are hanging up there. And they're saying as these athletes compete and they're sweating and they're about to be done, they look up and they see all the great basketball players that have gone before them. And they remember the practices and they remember everything that they went through. And it's just that one last push to remember, if they did it, I can do it as well. That's what the cloud of witnesses is there for us to see. You are not running a race, brother and sister, that is new. You're not on a journey that is new. You're not running a race that has challenges that have never been experienced before. You are running a race that many have ran before, a race that God has set you on, and since he has set you on that race, he will give you the strength to finish it. Looking to these men and women and others before you as an encouragement is a testament to the work that God can do in your life as well. But there are things we can do in this life, things that we can do in this life that can help us continue on. Things that these men and women did as well when they were running their race. So that is where we're getting to today. There's three things that the scripture tells us that we are to do in order to run our race. And that is, first is to lay aside. The second is to run with endurance. And the last thing is to fix your eyes. Three things this morning. Lay aside, lay aside, run with endurance, and fix your eyes. All right? So let's talk about lay aside. How many people in here have ever ran competitively before? Anybody ever ran competitively before? Come on, where are my nutsos at in here that like to run? All right, okay, yeah, I see Paxton back there. He's a runner, all right? He's a runner. Myself, I never had to run unless I was forced to. Still not today do I find running to be enjoyable whatsoever. Me and Adam joke all the time that how in the world Paxton became a runner with Adam's running ability, I don't know. But he has, okay? So it's just kind of in you, right? But when you're running, okay, when you're running, I, I, like I said, I've never ran competitively before, but I've seen people run. I've been to, been to cross-country meets. I've seen track meets on TV. I've seen these things before. And when you see these runners, notice their attire. Notice their attire, Short shorts is probably why another reason I never ran, all right? Very thin tank tops. They are running with as least amount of weight as possible, all right? At least amount of weight as possible. And if you go back even to the Olympic Games and the games back in the Roman times and different things like that, hundreds of years ago, the runners that would compete at this time would run with as little to even no clothes at all when they ran this race. 
And the reason that they would do that is because they didn't want anything to weigh them down. They wanted to be as light as possible as they were running their race so they could run it to the best of their ability. We are to do the same in our race. We are to look at it in the same concept as which the runners run their race. We are to do the same in our Christian life. We are not called, brothers and sisters, to run this race carrying the burdens of our sins, carrying the busyness of our schedules. We are not called to run this race with all of this weight that we carry on our back each and every day. If we read this scripture right here, it says, lay aside, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. I gotta be honest, I'm an ESV guy, but I prefer the NIV version of this verse. Because the NIV version says, let us throw off, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. For me, if we're talking about weight and sin, I don't want to take it off and lay it aside. I want to take it off and I want to punt it all the way across the field. I just want to get rid of it as quickly and as forcefully as I can. But we are called to lay aside or throw off two things. All right? We are called to lay aside or throw off two things. And notice that this is a command of something that we are to do. We've been talking about faith. We've been talking about how it's, been a, it's a gift that has been given to us. We've been talking about how faith is something that we are to exercise. And in doing so, okay, in doing so, I feel like we have been talking a lot about God's part in our faith without talking about what we are to do. And I know this morning that we, will, we, we try to be like, well, it's all God, it's all God. It is, but we also have to put in the effort. We also have to be an active participant in our faith, right? We have things in our lives that God is calling us to lay aside or throw off that will ultimately help us in our race. And what are those? Well, first off, let's talk about the weight or the, or the things that hinder us. Notice that there's a difference between these two things. He says, throw off the weight and the sin, he doesn't say throw off the weight or the sin. Why do I get myself in these English grammar language arts things all the time? But here I am again, all right? And means two different things, not or. So when he talks about weight and sin, weight is not sin. It's different. So what is he talking about here? The weight or the things that hinder us are the good things in our lives that take away from our relationship with Christ. The things that take our focus off of him, that take our time away from him, that take our efforts away from him. Let me go ahead and throw some examples out there for us. Close your eyes, all right? Be ready. Sports, social media, work, our hobbies, Anything that takes away from our walk with the Lord. I just mentioned a few, and if you want to be on, if I want to be honest with all of you guys, the things that I mentioned here may be things that can hinder my walk with the Lord. But knowing my crowd and knowing my audience and knowing you guys, I think that I probably hit 
a majority of those. But I'm not saying that there's not more out there. And I'm not saying that these things are bad, but they can weigh us down and take our time away from where it needs to be or take our focus off where it needs to be. If I'm supposed to be running this race of life that God has called me to and I'm still trying to work this job that takes a majority of my time and I'm still trying to balance these every weekend sports tournaments on my life, and I'm still trying to be an active member on social media all the time, and I'm still trying to golf my 18 holes, hunt every weekend, do all these different things. Man, how many toes have I stepped on so far? If I'm trying to carry all of these things and run my race, how well are we going to run? The problem I think that we have with this is we need to identify what are the weights in our lives? What are the things that hinder our running the race that God has called us to run? So if you have stuff in your life, here's some questions you can ask. Do these weights make me miss church? Do these weights take my time away from my scripture reading or my prayer time? Does these things take away from the time that I get to minister to my wife? Do these things take time away from my kids? Do these things take away from the fellowship that I have with the body of believers? I'm not saying that we are to get rid of all of these things. I'm simply having us ask the question this morning, are these things hindering our running the race. We are called to lay aside in order to run better. But what we often do is we lay aside or throw off the spiritual and chase after the world. We lay aside the spiritual and chase after the world, and in doing so, we make those things our God's. And what's at the core of all of that is idolatry. So we take those weights, and it's supposed to be weight and sin, but what we do is we make those weights our gods, therefore make them sin, and now they're hindering us in our walk. 1 Corinthians 10.14 tells us to flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Throw it off. And I know what many of us are doing right now because I can be in the same spot sometimes. In our mind, we're starting to make excuses as to why we can do these things and still be a believer. And can you? Can you still do those things and still be a believer? Absolutely. Don't hear me wrong. Don't hear hear, hear me out this morning. I'm I'm not saying that. But let me ask you a question. With those things... Are they helping you run or are they hindering your run? That's the question we have to ask. And if it's helping, by all means, keep it on. But if it's hindering, throw it off. I wanted to go deeper into that, but I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to let it saturate. 
Then he goes on to say, we need to also throw off the sin that so easily entangles or clings so closely. Now we're going to get real. As hard as we think it may be to lay aside the weight that we have, it is much more difficult to put aside or throw off the sin that we have. Why? Because we are born sinners. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sin in our lives. And I believe that the writer of Hebrew hits the nail on the head when he describes this sin as being clingy. He describes this sin as being entangled. It clings so closely. Paul gives us a beautiful example of how clingy and entangled sin can become in our lives when he reads out of Romans, page break, when he reads out of Romans 7, 15 to 20, when he says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Notice how Paul is wrestling with sin here. Paul is describing exactly what the writer in Hebrews is talking about here when he talks about how sin so easily entangles us or how sin clings so closely to us. You have a sin in your life. All of us have that sin that we struggle with and we wrestle with. And in doing so, we find ourselves right here where Paul's at. As a believer, you don't have the desire to do that sin. At least I hope you don't. But you keep doing that sin because it clings so closely. We're so entangled in that sin. Can we ever get untangled from it? Yes. But don't think that we ever get to a point where we don't sin. We grow and mature in our lives. We have that sanctification process that happens in our lives where we start to untangle it. Time after time, after time gets through, we start to untangle it. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you this right now. It is a fight and we wrestle with our flesh and with sin. We will do that for our entire existence here on earth. That's just a reality. But that doesn't mean we give up in our battle against sin. It doesn't mean just because we may be entangled in it, just because it clings so closely, just because it's our nature, doesn't give us an excuse to keep living in it. The writer of Hebrews says that we are to lay aside or throw it off because look at the extent that Christ goes when he talks about ridding ourselves of sin in Matthew 5.30. Christ goes even farther than says throwing it off. He says, and if your right hand causes you to sin, Cut it off. Throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. That's what we're dealing with this morning. We are dealing with the 
eternity of our lives when it comes to sin. If we keep on sinning, what's it say in Hebrews? If we keep on sinning deliberately, there awaits a fiery punishment for us. When we know we have sin in our lives and we don't care and we just keep doing it, that is a direct result of an unrepentant heart. When we are called to throw off sin and we are called to lay it aside, the sin that so easily entangles us, we first have to realize that it is not under our own power that we could ever conquer that sin. That we have to first confess that sin to our Lord and Savior and ask for forgiveness of that. And that is where real and true and genuine repentance begins. But many of us don't want to take that step because deep down, man, do we like the sin that we commit. It feels so good. But if you notice in your life that you're not growing or you feel like you're not moving forward in that race, maybe it's because that sin is what's holding you back from moving farther and going into that next step of maturity that God's trying to take you. But see, what Christ says here, that's the degree of seriousness we are to take with our sins. If something is bothering us, we cut it off. Nothing in this world is worth giving up eternity for. So this morning, those are the things we're supposed to throw off. The weight of this world and the sin that so easily entangles. That's your responsibility. Are you going to throw it off with the help of the Spirit? And once we've thrown that off, now we are to run with endurance. Once a runner has stripped off the weight of his clothes and heavy baggage, he is ready to compete in the race, right? But what is his goal in winning this, or running this race? Obviously, it's to win, right? I think back again to last night, because I know many of us were there. After regulation, I'm sure the boys were tired. But hey, we got one more overtime. Then after the first overtime, I'm like, okay, I know we're tired, but we, 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 we got just one more overtime. Then another, then another, then another. Endurance is what truly got those boys on both sides to keep competing overtime after overtime after overtime. And what was, what was driving them towards the endurance? What was helping them endure in that race? What was pushing them forward? Hoisting up that sectional trophy, right? We didn't come this far into our fourth overtime to give up now. We came for a purpose and we came to win. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, Paul describes running the race like this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it for the imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly I do not box as one beating the air, 
but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul says here that if we are called to run a race, which we are called to in Hebrews 12 this morning, we are to run that race as if we are trying to win the prize. When we compete in anything, we compete in order to win. I take this to the extent when I'm playing my four-year-old in Uno, I am out for blood. My wife doesn't understand this, and she says, let him win. It's not how I operate. And unfortunately for him, he's too young to hold his cards in his hand, so he lays his cards out on the floor, so the advantage is in my favor. And we take no prisoners in our Uno games. But just as we are to compete and we are to run the race, we are to have the mindset that we are in it to win it. It says right here that if you are competing in an earthly event, let's take, if you're competing in sectional 63, you are going to endure for a sectional trophy and title. That in five years, no one cares that you won the sectional title. But we are to run the race not for a perishable trophy, but an imperishable eternity. We are to run for such a greater prize than what this earth can give us. If a runner can run with focus, determination, and effort for something earthly, how much more can we run with all of that for something that lasts eternity? And in doing so, we run with endurance. Endurance is the ability of a person to exert, you gotta be kidding me, I got a ladybug up here on my paper. Back, sorry. A person to exert itself and remain active for a long period of time, as well as its ability to resist, withstand, and recover from and have immunity to trauma, wounds, or fatigue. We talked about this last week, that this life is not easy, right? There are going to be trials that come our way. There are going to be persecutions that come our way. But Peter tells us in 1 Peter that we are not supposed to be surprised when these fiery trials come into our lives, but we are to endure them. And there's only one way we can do that. As a runner... Like I said, I've never ran competitively before, but I have had to run a mile for basketball practice. How brutal. But as you're coming up towards the end, what is your focus? You're running, you're running, you're running, and how many people in here have ever got that awful side stitch, right? Oh, man. It feels like you're just going to fall over and just die right there. But you get this awful side stitch, and at that point you think, I'm just going to be done. I'm just going to sit right here for a little bit. No, what do you do? You remember that you only have like a half mile left. I know that at the finish line, I'm almost there. I'm just gonna keep my eyes on the finish line and I'm not going to focus on the side stitch that just hurts like crazy right now. So when we are called to run with endurance, there's only one way that we can do that. And that is by focusing on the finish. 
What is it the scripture says? We are to look to the things that are unseen, not to the things that are seen. If all we do is focus on everything around us that is going on, everything bad that is going on, that is going to hurt our endurance because what it's going to do is it's going to make our focus on the pain rather than the glory that awaits. And when we're focused on the pain, our body starts to fail us. If I ever got told to run cross country or coach cross country, I think my main thing would be it's as much mental as it is physical. I've never ran before, and maybe Paxton can correct me afterwards or Pierce or someone, there's these competitive runners in here, but mentally you have to be as focused as you are prepared physically. Because physically your body may fail you. And it's in those moments that your body starts to fail you that you take your focus off the finish line and start focusing on the pain that your endurance starts to fail. Now let's take that to life. We're called to run this race with endurance. We know that things are coming our way. We know that things are coming our way. Whether it's relational troubles, physical troubles, money troubles, whatever it may be, But I'm telling you right now, if you sit and you waller in the pain and misery of which you are currently in the circumstance of which you're in, if your focus is solely focused on that, you will not endure through. So what does he tell us to do? Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's important for runners to have the right mindset when running. Running competitively obviously has the physical side to it, but the mental side is just as important. And when we're running and we're dwelling on what we're not supposed to dwell on, our endurance fades. It's just like the call to worship we brought out this morning, Isaiah 26.3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The key there is whose mind is stayed on you. Faith and trust begin to dwindle in our life when our focus begins to get off of Christ and gets to be put on our trials and troubles and afflictions. And when they start to become on that, our trials and tribulations seem to be impossible rather than possible because they are now the center of our focus. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18 says this, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Fixing our eyes on Jesus makes the impossible seem possible and the longevity of our suffering seem possible momentary. Now, I know what you're thinking this morning. Josh, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the diagnosis I've got. You don't know the, the years of hurt and unforgiveness that are going on in these relational problems that I've had. You don't understand the pain and the suffering that I experience every single day. You don't understand, Josh. It's not light. It's not momentary. I'm not here to make light of our suffering this morning. I'm not here to make light of our suffering this morning. I'm here to help you take your focus off of it. 
I'm here to help redirect your focus onto Christ and not your situation. Because just as the word says, and the word will never fail, if our mind is stayed on you, we are in perfect peace. Do you trust that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? If you do, you must take your focus off your current suffering and put it where it needs to be, on Christ. So why does fixing our eyes on Christ help us? Josh, what, how does that help me? Well, it helps because when we're taking our focus off our suffering and we're putting it on Christ, we understand that our faith is strengthened. Why? Because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Struggling in your faith? Put your focus on the guy who's the author of it, who's the perfecter of it. It was Christ's death on the cross that allows us to even have this gift of faith available to us. And it is Christ himself that makes that faith perfect because he lived a sinless life. He died the death we had to die. He did all those things so that our faith could be perfected. And why did he do it? Because of the joy that was set before him. He did all of those things because of the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? The joy was making you his own. The joy was to save his people and bring them into his fold. That's the joy. He finds no joy in us wallowing in our sufferings. He finds no joy in us moping around. He finds no joy in our sorrow. He finds no joy in our hurting. What he finds joy in is when we come to the realization that our sufferings don't define us, but that our faith defines us. That he went the extra mile to save you. And in doing so, you now have the ability to overcome and to endure. He did that for you. He endured the cross so that we could endure the trials of our lives. He despised the shame of his persecution so that we could stand here on earth today and be unashamed of the gospel. He is seated at the right-hand throne of God so that one day we could join him for eternity in the throne room. So in this race of life that has been laid before you, we then close by looking at verse 3 in Hebrews 12. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Understand that Jesus is truly the greatest example of faith that we have to model. Jesus was not mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 as the hall of fame of faith. Because you know why? Because it was Jesus that created the hall of fame of faith. Because without him, they would not have even had the opportunity to have faith. But because he lived this life of faith truly to the fullest, we can truly see that Christ endured faithfully to the end without wavering. He is who we should look to and model our lives after. But understand this as well. 
that yes, Christ is not only our ultimate example, but he is what we run the race for, our ultimate prize. Christ is our ultimate prize. Brothers and sisters, when we finish the race, Christ is who we receive. We get eternity with our Lord and Savior. I don't know about you, but I have written on my Chromebook, again, a simple reminder for each day to help me endure. And it's those words that I hope to hear one day when I face my Lord and Savior face to face and he looks at me and says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we need to use to push us through and endure. That there will come a day where we are united with him because of that, we have received our prize. So today you as a believer are in a race that's been set before you. Let me ask you a question. How are you running? How are you running? Are you weighed down by the things of this world that just keep you busy and away from Christ? Are you so tangled up in a sin that you just can't seem to get out of it and it's keeping you from growing and taking that next step? If so, if so, where has your focus been? See, the solution isn't a 10-step process to get out of your sin or quit sinning or to rid yourself of the weight that's been going on. It's not, it's not that. The solution is simple. It's fixing your eyes on Jesus. And in fixing our eyes on Christ, we find that this world has nothing to offer and it has nothing it can do to hurt us. I'm going to invite the worship team forward right now. Because when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we endure and we persevere. And in the end, we realize that it wasn't us at all that was fueling the endurance, that was fueling the, the push to go through. But at the core of it all, it was Christ that was pulling us along, walking alongside of us, encouraging us, helping us. He is the one that helps us endure in this life. So I want to close with this last, this verse from the song that we're going to sing here just now. It says, to this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but Christ in me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for the race that you have called us to. God, we thank you, Father, for the endurance, Lord, that you give us. Father, right now, Lord, I know, Father, that we have people here that are weighed down. Father, they have weights, Lord, of things that they enjoy and things that they don't really want to lay aside or throw off. Father, maybe it's because of the pressures of this world or maybe it's just because they just... They don't want to selfishly give it up. But Father God, I pray right now that you would help them to lay that aside. Help them to see that they have something better in you. 
Father, for those that are just so entangled in the sin that clings so closely, Father, we thank you that you give us a way to defeat that sin, to break those chains by providing us your Son who defeated sin on the cross, defeated death by raising up from the grave. And Father, through that, Lord, we can find true repentance. Father, help us to fix our eyes on you. Father, it's such a simple thing, but a powerful action that can help us run this race that you've called us to run. Help us to remain faithful and put our trust in you to overcome all obstacles, all trials, and all things. Father, in you, we put our trust. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would allow this word to impress upon our hearts so that we may walk in this newness of life you've called us to. We thank you and we love you. In your heavenly name we pray, amen.